Thy word. Come on, saints. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. The word of God. Come on, this is our last time together. The word of God is my textbook. Not in my opinion. Not what I feel. But the word of God is my textbook. Let's put our hands together and give the Lord a great praise. Remain standing. Let's have a word of prayer at this time. Father God, right now. Mmm. 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 I, I, I go back to the song that we've been singing all week. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. It's not just a theme song. That's the word of God for us. You are a mighty God. You are mighty. There is nobody like you. Nowhere. And you have on this day. We prayed this morning that you would demonstrate your mighty power. And you sent Ramondo here to remind us. Whereas, Lord, we had, we had forgotten. Many of us came in here with a heaviness of spirit. But God, this brother came in, he got every reason in the world to have heaviness of spirit. But yet he came in here with praise on his lips. Thank you for bringing him home, Father. Thank you for his wife and for his children. Oh, God, he is a man if there ever was one. Not only did he survive the storm and the fire, but God, he survived with his faith intact. God, there are so many of us, as I'm going to preach right now, who go through the storm. But the storm takes everything from us, even our faith. God, I'm praying right now that he will be an example to us. That we can go through and come through. And we can come through with our hands lifted. And our mouth filled with praise. And our faith intact. Oh, God, bless us today. Move in this place today. Have your way in this place today. May it not be a man thing, a natural thing, a human thing. God, get our, get our bad attitudes out of the way. Get sin out of the way. Move in this place, God. Fix it, Jesus. Fix it right now, Jesus. And God, when an appeal is made, an appeal will be made. Somebody even now, God, knows that they need to be in today's baptism. They need to surrender their life to Christ. God, I'm praying. They need to join this church. I'm praying right now that you begin to move upon their heart so that when the call is made, that men, women, boys, and girls will come to claim, what must I do to be saved? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. And amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're asking today that you will work with us. The enemy was so mad about, obviously, what we are experiencing today. How many already know that God is here? I said, how many know that God is here? The enemy is so angry that he's been fooling with the technology and everything. So as you see my slides on this screen over here, it may be some texts are cut off. So we invite you to focus either on that screen or if you're sitting in the wings, you can obviously look at the television screen. If not, just take out your Bible and follow along. Come on, say amen. amen. The word of God has been our textbook, has it not? Yeah. And as we go forward today, we want to just review a little bit of the fight. How many has the fight of your life been a blessing to you out there? How many have been blessed by this experience? How many have been blessed and touched? 
Yes, and we told you that the fight that we're talking about is a fight of our what, everybody? It's a fight for our faith. And I'm telling you, after today's message, I just want you to understand one thing. After the storm is over, your faith should still be intact. Now, Christ has seven salvation punches. How many does he have, everybody? I said, how many does he have, everybody? Yes, sir. God, Christ has seven salvation punches. Somebody just give a quick pump in the air to let you know that God can knock that thing out. Can he punch it? Can he knock it out? The first thing we understand is that there, there are things that he has done that are considered to be the already. Somebody say the already. What has he done? Well, he did what? He came, huh? And then what did he do? He died, and then he rose, and then he ascended. Come on, say amen. Thank God that he is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. That means he has total control over the universe. Would you say amen? Now, what has not happened yet? Well, he's coming again. Come on, say amen. That's the only reason why we're doing this thing. And by the way, that's the only reason why we have these events. Because we believe that Jesus is coming soon, and we ought to tell people how they can be ready for his soon return. And then after he comes, he's going to destroy sin and Satan. Come on, say amen. Now, we ought to praise God on that right now. If you missed Thursday night, you better go get the DVD. He is going to destroy sin and Satan. Bless your heart. I'm so excited about that. And then he's going to reunite with us. Now, let's go to the summary. Let's go to the summary. In week one, we discovered that Satan is at war against the government and character and the law of God. Satan's at what? Satan is at what? He's at war against God. Number two, we discovered in week two, God's law leads you to Jesus and it protects us. Come on, say amen in here. How many know that God's laws, just as a parent, will give rules to their child? If, if, if you tell your child, don't touch a hot stove, you're not telling them that to take away happiness. Come on, say amen. amen. You're telling them that to prevent them from killing themselves. Come on, say amen. And the commandments of God, having no other gods before you. The commandments of God, not making any idols. The commandments of God, not taking the name of the Lord in vain. The commandments of God, remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The commandments of God, honoring your father and your mother. The commandments of God, uh, not committing adultery. The commandments of God, not lying, stealing, or killing. The commandments of God, not coveting, are all given to protect us from ourselves. They are a spiritual straitjacket. I remember when I was a kid, I was pretending to be Spider-Man or Superman, one of them. And uh, I, I was at my grandmother's house and I jumped, off, uh, I jumped off her porch. And when I fell on the floor trying to fly like Superman, come on, say amen, somebody. The, uh, if, if you would look at my eye right now, I have stitches that were under both eyes because I hit my face on a cinder block. And when I got to the hospital, they, I don't know if they do this anymore. I guess they just drug people now. I was so cantankerous when I saw them come out with the needle and with the sutures and stitches that I said, I don't want them touching my eye. I saw blood. I was just like, leave me alone. And I could not be controlled. They were trying to save my life, but I was fighting the remedy and the solution and the doctors. And so you know what they did? They put me in a straitjacket. Anybody remember those? Do they still use those? 
They put me in a straitjacket to hold me down so they can perform surgery on me. That's what God's law is. God's law is to keep you from killing yourself and to keep you from resisting what he's doing in your life so that he can do surgery. Somebody shout surgery in here. How many know you need some surgery, some open heart surgery? Yes. And then number three, this week we discovered that Satan has a last move and that God has a last move. Now, one of the exciting things that we're discovering is that, now, can I, let me just talk to you. If God is for you, how can you be lost? You got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You got angels. I mean, you have his word. You got grace. You have a testimony. Come on in here, somebody. For people to be lost, it is going to be, it is going to be the shock of the ages. As angels stand in heaven and watch everything that God is doing to save us, when they see people that went to church, people that call themselves Christians, people that had chance after chance after chance after chance, near-death experiences, they had, they, had, they had family crisis that God saved them out of, God pulled them out of situations, God delivered them from evil, he delivered them from themselves, he saved them from suicide, he saved them from murders, he saved them from domestic violence. He, I mean, think about it. Think of every moment in your life where you knew if God did not step in that you would have died, you would have lost your mind, you would have lost your way, and the angels are watching this and they see every moment that God has been there, every step that he has watched over us, even when we didn't have sense. Come on in here, somebody. When we didn't have sense to call on the name of the Lord because we were too high or too drunk or too caught up in ourselves or in the wrong bedroom at the wrong time and didn't know to call on God, God still protect. Now, this is, can I blow your mind for a second? This is mind blowing. That, do you realize that even when you sin, God has to preserve your life so that you can sin? Who do you think is pumping blood in your veins and keeping your heart beating even while you're doing stuff you got no business? It's God! Somebody say his mercy endures forever. And so the angels are looking on this thing and they're trying to figure out how did they, lo how did they lose their salvation? How did they get lost after everything that God did? It will be a mystery! That we lose our souls because God is love. Come on, say amen, somebody. And then he went so far as to create us to experience his love. That's the only reason why you exist, to experience the love of God. Now, Satan, seeing that, became jealous of who, everybody? He became jealous of God and brought in sin. Then there was war in heaven and Satan who? What happened to him? He lost. And by the way, this, that should just remind you, if the Bible says he beat him once, why can't he beat him in the areas of your life? Amen? Since he couldn't beat God, he came after what? God's children. That's why he's bothering you. His strategy is therefore to do what everybody? To deceive and what else? To lie, then kill and destroy. That's his method. Now, understand this. Satan's not so interested in killing you as much as he's interested in deceiving you. I hear people all the time and say, devil's trying to kill me. Why? You are, more, you are doing more for his kingdom alive than you are dead. He can do more with a lack of faith than he can with an individual who's in the grave. 
All he wants you to do is doubt God. And if you doubt God, you will lead millions to ruin. John 8, 44, read this. The Bible says he was a what? Come on, read the text. He's a what? He's a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is, come on, there is no... <laughs> I like this. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. I speak English. Some speak Spanish. Others speak Japanese. Satan speaks lying. He can't, there's nothing else he can do except lie. That's why I used to love what my mama used to say. She said, the devil is a liar. Come on in here, somebody. He's a liar. Somebody shout, he's a liar. And so we got deceived, and then we what? We fell, we sinned, and we were doomed. And I hear people say stuff like this all the time. Well, pastor, uh, I didn't fall. Adam and Eve fell. Well, guess what? Adam and Eve had something that you didn't have. You know what they had? They had Jesus dying on the cross for your sins. They had grace. They had the word of God. They have, you have, now, and you have Adam and Eve's example. And how many know all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? So we fell for Satan's joke. We fell for his lies. And then what did Jesus do after we messed up? Did Jesus throw us away? Did Jesus throw us away? Did Jesus leave us like some of us do folk when they don't do right? Did Jesus judge us? The Bible says he sent his son and he died and cleansed up the sin mess. Come on, say amen. So where are we now? We're left with a choice. Lord, help us today. You're left with a choice. Simple as that. You're left with a choice to serve the Lord. And so what is Jesus going to do? While we're getting ready to make our choice, what's he going to do? He's coming back. And he's coming back to get us. He's not going to leave us down here in this mess. And one of the questions we asked the other day is, and I just have a short passage that I want to lean on today, and then I'm going to begin to call people to salvation. If Satan knows he's lost, then why won't he give up? Come on, say amen, somebody. Man, we were playing a basketball game the other day, and we were so behind in points that the referees just called the game. And listen, how, how, many, how many know they didn't need to call the game because we had given up too? Come on, say amen, somebody. Uh, sometimes when you done lost something, you just like, ain't no need to keep fighting. Come on, say amen. But Satan does not really feel like it's over. He does not feel like we know. He knows the Bible, but he is so deceived in his thinking that he does not realize that he has really lost. He's actually coming back to do more. Now watch this. Let me blow your mind. Satan's final move. Are you ready for this? I'm going to tell you what he's really up to. Why is he trying to get people to not accept Christ? Why is he still in faith? Because he has one last agenda. He's trying to gather up as many soldiers as possible for after the second resurrection. I don't have the time to teach you that right now, but I'm just going to show you what the scripture says. Notice the Bible says in Revelation 20, read this with me, everybody. When a thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison. Now, you see, now have you ever read that before? Did you hear that? For a thousand years after Jesus comes, after Jesus comes for a thousand years, God is going to bind Satan to this earth by himself. And then the word of God says, after the thousand years are over, while we're in heaven with the Father, while we're in heaven with the Son and the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is going to allow Satan to be loosed for a period of time. And the Bible says, verse 8, and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. 
Gog and Magog, and this is his plan. Let me tell you, this is what Satan is trying to do, and I'm going to tell you how to beat it. The Bible says, and to gather them for, uh, let, me, let me move this slide, for what? There was one more battle that Satan is trying to get ready for. And that's what the fight of your life is all about. Now, let me explain this to you. Watch this now. The Bible says in verse 9, they marched across that Satan and all the wicked that do, not, that do not receive salvation. The Bible says they marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people and the city he loved. They surround heaven. I don't know how they do it. The Bible says, but fire came down from heaven and devoured them, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. Somebody, that's your shouting cue right there. Where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown, the Bible says they will be tormented, tormented day and night forever and forever. So let me tell you this right now. Let me just explain something before I get in this word, because you cannot receive it if you don't understand this. Satan wants you to get so familiar with listening to him. Stay right here. Stay right here. Now, watch me now. Satan does not always come and say, kill somebody. Satan is not just coming to you saying, kill yourself. Satan's not just saying, go use drugs. Satan's not just saying, prostitute yourself. You know what Satan is saying to us? He's saying, don't trust God. Don't obey. Compromise. Don't go to church. Don't commit to the Lord. Uh, you're not ready yet to come to Christ. You got, this is what he tells you, get yourself together first before you come to God. And you know what he's doing? He's trying to get you, watch this now, he's trying to get, stay here everybody, everybody stay here. He's trying to get you comfortable with listening to him and obeying him so that when this time comes and he asks you, let's go kill Jesus, you're going to go with him. And this is the reason why we are declaring to you, you have your only safety against, against rebuking the words of Satan. And let me tell you this right now. You know, we watch these things on television and we'll see like an angel on one side. Have y'all seen that before? And we'll see like a demon on the other side and the demon's telling us to do bad and the angel's telling us to do good. Uh, listen, Satan ain't that, he is not that obvious. You know what voice Satan talks to you in? Your voice. So you think that you are rationalizing, you think you are making the decision, you think that you are, are working it out in your mind, but really it's the enemy talking in your voice. The only safety against his deception, if he can deceive Adam and Eve, who saw God with their faces, how do you think that just because you, your grandfather was a preacher and that you've been coming to church and that you're educated and that, and that you know the Bible and you go to Sunday school, you go to Sabbath school, you, you, you have, I mean, that does not prevent you from being deceived. There's only one thing that prevents you from being deceived and it's not just knowing the Bible. It's knowing the God of the Bible and having his word so deep in your heart that when you hear something that you know it's not God. You'll be able to fight it back with the word. Now I want to talk right now for about 10 minutes on how to survive the coming storm. Now watch this. One of my favorite passages of scripture. God, you got to help me to preach this today. God, help me to paint the picture today. 
Watch this. Watch this. The Bible says, and this is, this is the book of Revelation, chapter 7, and this is couched in the last days. Watch this. The Bible says, and after this, after what? If you read Revelation 6, you'll discover that all the judgments of God, the seals are unloosed, and that the world is pointing in one direction to the coming of the Lord. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Uh, is there really four angels? No. This is symbolic to suggest of the four winds, north, south, east, and west. In other words, what God is saying is he has stationed around the world. Watch this, y'all. Angels. Are you with me now? There are angels. How many know what I'm telling the truth? There are angels that protect us that are all around the world. Watch this. And what are they doing? The Bible says they are holding back. The four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or any tree. Let me explain that. So the Bible teaches us that there are angels. You better get this. That are literally holding back. One writer says that their hands are trembling as they are doing everything they can to push back the winds. They are with, with supernatural strength. They are pushing back the winds from destroying the earth. What is winds in the Bible? The winds refers to the wrath of God. It refers to the judgment and the destruction of the world. So what are we saying? God has stationed, are you with me today? God has stationed angels to hold back the winds of God's wrath and his destruction. In other words, you haven't seen evil yet. You think this world is bad now? And it's getting worse. Come on, say amen in here. You can't even walk around here as a black young man without getting your brains blown out. Come on, talk to me in here. You can't even say something. You can't even tell somebody you cut me off without them getting out of their car in road rage and blowing your brains out. You can't even trust your children to be with certain family members because you don't know what they're going to do to them. This world is wicked. You can't even trust to put your money in a pension plan because somebody named Madoff might make off with all your earnings. The world is wicked. But, but check this out. Even as wicked as it is, the Bible says that the wickedness we are seeing is drenched in mercy because there are angels at the four corners who are steadily pushing back more wickedness more judgment and notice the wrath of God simply is the consequences somebody say consequences it is the consequences of our sins somebody asked the question we reap what we sow pastor yes God is not angry at us and saying destroy them see what simply is happening is is it's cause and effect if you invest in evil more evil will come and so what God is doing is thank you Jesus God says, I'm going to assign some angels to stand at the four corners of the earth and hold back the results of their choices. I'm going to hold it back. And the Bible says that with supernatural strength, the winds want to be let go. They want to be loosened. But angels, hallelujah, are standing there bracing the wind, holding it back. You know why you're still alive? Because he's holding it back. You know why he made it? Because the, there was a demon in that house 
while he burned and the demon tried to kill him. But the angel of the Lord held it back. Every day in our lives, come on testify in here. We cannot see the things that the enemy is trying to do with our physical eyes. And that's why night after night, I've been pleading for you to accept Christ. I've been pleading for you to join the church. I've been pleading for you to turn it around because you can't see. You're blind. You don't know what's going on. But thank God that the angels of the Lord are holding back the winds. You know why your suicide wasn't successful? Because the angels were holding it back. Now watch this. Verse 2, the Bible says, I'm almost done. Then I saw another angel. So while, come on, watch me now. He's got how many angels standing at the four corners? Y'all better stick with me. One of the things we discovered the other night, and this is not to make anybody afraid, but there will be more people going to hell than going to heaven. That's why God created a great big old hell. Because somebody got to go there. Come on. It was designed for the devil and his angels. But some of us have already made our reservations there. Not because we said, I want to follow Satan. Who says that? Oh, Satan, I love you. Wherever you go. I mean, we have Satan worshipers, but they're in the minority. For the most part, people follow Satan by simply rejecting Christ. And nobody really rejects Christ. Very people say to Christ, you know what, Jesus, I know your commandments. I, want to I know I should do the right thing. But Jesus, get out of my face. Leave me alone. I don't want you bothering me no more. And don't protect me either. And stop praying for me. And get these angels out of my life. And stop saving me from myself. Nobody says that. You know how we choose Satan? We simply choose Satan by saying to God, not right now. I'm not ready. Now, let me point out something to you very quickly. The angels are holding back winds. Winds are a part of storms. Come on, say amen, somebody. Has anybody ever been through a storm? Anybody going through a storm? Has anybody just come out of a storm? Guess what? You're going to another storm. And one of the things I found out is that the storm is designed for two purposes. Satan has a purpose for the storm, and the devil has a purpose for this. I mean, and Jesus has a purpose for a storm. Satan's purpose for the storm is to wipe you out so strong that you got no more faith when you come out. And that's why Satan loves bitter people, folk that are mad about stuff that happened to them, folk that are always complaining about things going on, folks whose spirit is always negative. See, listen, you got to watch yourself around folk that are negative in spirit because negative folk, they not only take faith from themselves, they steal faith from you. And Satan loves to see folk negative. At, now watch this. Isn't this crazy? You made it out. And you mad because you went through a storm. When you heard Ramondo's story, Ramondo didn't pick the mic up and say, I'm just so mad that I had to get burned in the first place. The only thing that could come out of his mouth is I'm glad that I made it out of the storm. See, you ought to be glad that the storm did not kill you. But one of the things that I'm seeing about the enemy, help me to preach this today. And see, he allows, see, God allows and the enemy projects. See, God says, okay, I see that Satan is going to let loose some winds in their life. No problem. He says, because I know that the thing that he thinks is going to be for their destruction, I'm going to actually use for their good. Come on in here, somebody. Whatever happened to you, I'm preaching to somebody today. 
Whatever happened to you, the divorce, the murder, the violence, the, 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 the abandonment, the rejection, the molestation, whatever, the cancer. God says, yeah, the devil had it for your evil. He says, but I knew that if I let that happen in your life, you would take your focus from yourself and you would turn your eyes upon Jesus. Even though your daddy left you, that didn't happen to destroy you. That happened to save you. God says, I don't need you to have a daddy in your life because I'll be your father. And when your mother and father forsake you, the storm, somebody say the storm, has two purposes. Satan's purpose is to take your faith. He loves to hear people say, yeah. And look, man, let me talk to my young friends that are angry. I'm the only biological child out of five. And all four of my brothers and sisters came out of very, very trying circumstances. Two of my brothers, two of my, my brother and my sister, the youngest ones, when my parents adopted them, they're really my cousins, they came out of a home where their father forced them to sell drugs. Now to get an eight and a nine-year-old to sell drugs, he had to get them high on marijuana so that they would not run and not do what he asked them to do. And then when they got home, they had to get beaten and abused and molested by boyfriends and other folk in the house. Now the enemy wants you to say, how could you, how could God let that happen to you? How could God allow you to go through that? And what God is saying is, uh-uh, uh-uh, see, I got to let sin do its thing because I want you to get to a point where you won't grow up and be like your daddy. I got to get you hating him so that you don't grow up and be like him. The other thing is, I want you to understand that Satan is not smarter than I am. And even though he allows and perpetuates stuff in your life, no matter how negative it is, I have found a way. Thank you, Jesus. To turn this thing around for your good. And can I tell you one of the things that he turns around for our good? If you never go through anything, you'll never reach anybody. Because most of the people on our planet are going through hell every day. And they don't need somebody to stand up and say, I've done it right my whole life. I've never made any mistakes. I came from a perfect family. What people want to hear is, yeah, my family was dysfunctional and jacked up. My mama was crazy and so was my daddy. My brothers and sisters forsook me. I almost tried to take my life. I messed up and made bad decisions. But I'm standing here today with my mind on Jesus. I still got my faith. I still got my hope. I'm still trusting in God. Ain't nobody want to hear from you church folk who act like you ain't never done nothing wrong. People want to hear from folk that have not always been right. But Jesus, come on somebody, turn it around for their good. God's purpose for the storm is to save you. Like many of us are sitting down watching TV and we shaking our heads and we like, man, all this stuff going on, this Trayvon Martin thing, this ain't right, and this person getting killed ain't right, and Anthony Sowell ain't right, and all this stuff ain't right, and these people out here prostituting ain't selling ain't right. And you know what God is doing? God is sending all these things your way for two purposes. Number one, to get your attention that He's coming soon, and number two, so that you might go out and help somebody. You can't help nobody coming to church once a week. 
What are you doing for God by showing up in a building for a couple of hours, shaking your head, clapping your hands, saying amen, and then going home and having absolutely no influence over people's lives, no testimony, no souls. You've not made a difference. The devil says, I like that one. Keep going to church. Keep getting your blessing and do nothing. So somebody say they're holding. Come on, talk to me tonight. Somebody say they're holding. Then watch this. Then he sends one angel. <laughs> he says, coming from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Verse 3, he says, do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until, oh, thank you, Jesus. We have put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. In other words, God says the great storm that is coming on this world. You know, I ain't talking about your personal storms. I'm talking about the storm that's coming, that's been prophesied. He says the only way to make it through it is you got to be sealed. In other words, a seal simply was wax that they would take some kind of metallic engraving and they would put a seal on an envelope, a seal on an envelope, simply to say this belongs to the person. It was an impression. In other words, God is saying, I want to make an impression in your life so that when people see you, they will know that you're mine. Now the Bible says, I'm almost done. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed. <laughs> Now, this, this brings a little, <laughs> this, this makes me nervous because the Bible says, now, now watch this now. Many of us, we get confused on this teaching. Watch this. The Bible says, then I heard. Did he see him? Did he see 144? What did he do? He heard. Now, I don't know about you, brothers and sisters. You, you have your own theology. But if somebody tells me, pastor, I heard about 400 people in church. Can they be precise? Okay, that's all right. You can have your 144. Go ahead. The Bible says he heard 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. He heard it. And then after this, he looked. I thank God that he just didn't hear it. Come on in here, somebody. How many know if he just heard it, we wouldn't have got in that number. Come on in here. But the Bible says, I heard 144 that had gotten sealed. But then I looked and there before me was a great multitude. He said that no one, not even me, could count. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. How many think you can fit in that group right there? I don't know about you, I can't get in the counting group, but I know I can get in the group that nobody can count. And the Bible says, and they came from every nation. Come on, somebody. And every tribe. Come on in here. And people and language. And they were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. The Bible says, and they were wearing white robes. And we're holding palm branches in their hands. 
a white robe was a sign of victory and a palm branch was a sign of victory. The Bible says, and they cried out in what kind of voice? Oh, all the non-praisers, you ain't going to be able to make it. Because the Bible says when we get to heaven, it's going to be a loud voice. Hallelujah. When you've been delivered from fire, and when you've been delivered from storm, and when you've been delivered from hell, and when you've been delivered from sin, and, and when you've been delivered, and you see Jesus. Woo! Can I, can I throw this out here? I've said this before, but they say there are three shocks in heaven. You've heard this. They say when you first get there, you're going to be shocked that there are people there that you never thought would be there. Can you imagine that? Oh, I can't believe he made it. How did he get in here? This don't even sound right, right? And then the other shock is there going to be people not there that you thought would be there. That's you church folk. Y'all better watch yourselves. And then the third shock, and now this should have been the first shock, is they, after, they, after they look at everybody else, how did he get in there? And where is so-and-so? And how come she didn't make it? And, 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 how, and how did they get in here? Oh, how many know? But then after you get over yourself, you begin to look at you. And you begin to think back of where God brought you. And you begin to look at what God did in your life. And you begin to look at what he pulled you out of. Come on in here, boy. And then you will say, hold up. I'm sorry for judging you. And I'm sorry for thinking they shouldn't have made it. But Jesus, I'm just glad that I made it. I'm glad that I got in. I'm glad that I've been saved. I'm glad with my lying self that I've been delivered. I'm glad with my bad attitude that I can praise you. I'm glad with my fornicating self that I can be pure. I'm glad that I'm saved. And the Bible says, this is what they said. They said salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Come on, read the text with me. And all the angels were standing around the throne. I'm almost done. I'm getting ready to take my seat. And around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell. Boom. <laughs> when you're standing, I, 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 I'm supposed to go past this text, but I can't. When you get there and you see him. The Bible says you're going to fall. <laughs> the Bible says every knee will bow. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. Saying amen. <laughs> See now you got to say can you say amen? amen? And then folks say amen. amen. But how many know Jesus preaching the sermon that day. When Jesus preaches he don't got to ask for no amen in heaven. What he's going to have to do is tell folks shut up for a minute. Let me finish, because folk can't stop but praising. The Bible says amen, amen. and glory and praise <laughs> and wisdom yeah. and thanks yeah. and honor and power and strength yeah. be unto our God forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Amen. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Then one of the elders asked me. I'm almost done. He said, uh, he said, John, I know, I, know who, I know who the four beasts are, and, and I know who these other 23 elders are, and, and I see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has done his work. He said, he said, but these in white robes, 
the folk dancing all around heaven. The folk that can't stop praising him. He says, and where did they come from? And watch this. He says, and I answered, I'm in here. Sir, you know. He said, these are they. Now, 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 now watch this. If this ring is the storm, what the Bible is saying is, is and, and this is why the pastor has been passionate about you giving your life to God. You know why? Because you are getting ready to face a storm. But because you ain't you in sin and you're rejecting God, you can't see it coming. What I'm trying to do is prepare you for the storm. And so watch this now. The Bible says they came out of something. Amen? They had to go through. You can't come out of something unless you go through it. Come on, somebody. Can I get somebody to talk back to me today? Punch him in his mouth. The Bible says that you cannot come out. And so when they go through the storm, I mean, they're getting beat. And, I, mean, I mean, they're getting knocked down, but they get up. Come on, say amen. And they get knocked down, but they rise again. And the fire cannot harm him because he gets up again. And it can't harm you because you keep getting up. And the Bible says, as you keep falling and getting up and falling and getting up, before you know it, the storm is over. And then you realize, I came out of the storm. Now notice, the Bible says they came out of great tribulation. You know, the Greek word for great tribulation is mega pressure. Can I tell you what the qualification is of being saved just in this text? You got to go through hell. Got to. That's why you've been through all you've been through. That's why you're going through all you're going through. Because God wants to show the enemy that no matter what you do to them, they'll still love me. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Who says amen to the word? Let me go. Let me go here. I'm gonna, let me go here. What does it mean to be sealed? Because that's the only way the Bible says to get through. The Bible is very clear on this. 1 Corinthians 1 says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in who? Now how do I get sealed? How do I get the impression of God in my life? Verse 22 says, he anointed us and he set his seal of ownership on us and put his the only way you can make it through is you got to have the Holy Spirit now let me explain this very quickly Jesus is in heaven the only way to get Jesus in your heart is through the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is everything if you do not have the Holy Spirit, you are not a Christian. You do not love God. You must have the Spirit of God. The Bible tells us what the seal is. The Bible says, read everybody, and do not grieve. It doesn't say, do not grieve Jesus. It doesn't say, do not grieve God the Father. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Being sealed means having the Spirit. And when the Spirit comes in your life, He puts God's law in your heart. Now watch this. 
and I'm in here now. You have to hear this. This is very important because I'm about to make a call right now. The Bible says, do not grieve the spirit. You can't make it through the storm with your faith without the spirit. It says, whoever is not with me is against me, Matthew 12, 30. And whoever does not gather with me scatters, verse 31. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. But blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of the son of man will be forgiven. But did you see that? But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come. What is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? What does it mean? Let me tell you what it means. When the Spirit, the Spirit, God, Jesus, the Father, Jesus and God the Father send the Holy Spirit to get Jesus in your heart. And the Holy Spirit is the voice in your mind and in your heart that tells you follow God. Make a decision for God. Watch this now. Every time you tell the Spirit of God, no, I'm not ready, maybe later, I can't do it right now, uh-uh, 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 I'm not worthy. Jesus knows that already. Every time you tell his spirit no, what you're doing is you're getting to a place where you will say no so much that you cannot say yes. That's what grieving means. Grieving is a process by which you are resisting God's spirit work in your life. There are five lies that the enemy tells you. First, and these are the lies he tells you in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. First, he tells you God doesn't love you. If he loved you, he wouldn't allow you to go in the storm. But you got to remind him, I came out though. The, the next lie, and I'm going from five to one. Number four, you can live a good life without God in your life. People feel like they can make it without God. No, you can't. That's a lie. Number three, oh, he tells this thing so often. God is mad at you and he's punishing you. Do you realize if God punished you, you would be dead? You ain't never been punished. You just got consequences. Number two, oh Lord, help me. This is one of the biggest lies. This is, this is number two. You have to get yourself together to come to God. And let me ask you this. If, let me tell you the nonsensicalness of this. If you could get yourself together to come to God, then you would not need God. I don't know, has anybody ever tried that before? No, tell the truth. Have you ever tried to get yourself together? I know I, everybody in here has tried to fix themselves before they came to God. And what happened? How did it work for you? Let me, please, Lord. Any idea that says, I got to fix some stuff, I got to settle some stuff, I got to work on some stuff before I come to Christ, that is anti-Christ. Christ is the only one that can fix and change, and he does not want good people. He wants evil people. If you come to him good, then that means you never needed him. You can't be good without Christ. Come to him jacked up. Come to him on drugs. Come to him drinking. Come to him smoking. Come to him shacking up. Come to, you, come to him gay, come to him lesbian. If, do you, Lord have mercy. Somebody, some, some of our folk don't even believe that. If, if you could change yourself, you wouldn't need God. 
And then the last lie he tells you is, you have time to get yourself together. He says, get yourself together. He said, but take your time. You know, you know, you need time to work on some stuff. I hear people say that all the time, Pastor, I'm not ready to give my life to the Lord. Why? I need to work on I need some time to, what? What he's doing is getting you to stall so that you grieve the spirit so that the next time Christ comes in, in through the spirit to tell you to do the right thing and give your life to him, you will have said no to God so many times, you will be used to saying wait. What does Jesus say? Come on, Michelle. What does he say? He says, come to me. Just like that. On your knees, messed up, not knowing what tomorrow's going to look like. But some of the pastor, you don't know, I probably will smoke weed tomorrow. <laughs> and there are folk in this church who have given their lives to Christ who still lie. Because the process of God changing you takes time. Pastor, pastor, pastor. See, understand, this is a risk. God is down there and you're standing up here doing your thing. And you're afraid to jump. Because you, you feel so comfortable up here. You're like, I know this, but I don't know that. If I jump... I may hurt myself. No, you already hurt. If I jump, I may fall. No, you have already fallen. What I'm telling you is, oh, help me, I need praying folk. If you jump into the arms of Jesus, just as you are, I guarantee you there will be a change. So, let's stop playing with it. Come and wait on the saints. I want my Bible workers, my past elders, come. They're coming. They're coming right now. Somebody today needs to jump into the arms of Jesus right now. Before it's too late. And right now, it's amazing. Even after I preach what I preach, the enemy is saying, not right now. You're not ready. You got to get yourself together. Blah, 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 blah. He's a liar and he's the father of lies. For God to change you is a miracle. And the only way you can get a miracle is you have to take a step in faith. God is calling somebody today to take a step in faith. Let me, tell, let me give you a couple ways. We're having baptism right after this. And there are people in here right now who need to be in that baptism. Baptism is simply this. It's a sign saying that I, as a symbol I bury my old life and I put it in God's hands. And I'm gonna come up trusting him. My faith is weak, it's new, I'm not perfect, but I wanna try God. I at least need to try him. Then some of you need to join this church by profession of faith, Christian experience, transfer of membership. Some of you just need to come to the Lord and say, I need to jump. I need to jump into the arms of Jesus. I'm in a mess. I'm going through a storm. And I don't have much faith left. Pastor, can you pray for me? Whoever you are, now is not the time to listen to the voice in your head.